Our whole universe was in a hot, dense state And nearly 14 million years ago Expansion started Wait, the earth began to cool The autotrophs began to drool Neanderthals developed tools We built a wall We built the pyramids Math, science, history Unraveling the mystery It all started with a big bang But the dawn of man is really not that long As every galaxy was formed in less time than it takes To sing this song A fraction of a second and the elements were made The Bible stood up straight The dinosaurs all met their fate They tried to leave but they were late and they all died They closed their eyes and the oceans Did they see a wooden bar to be a set in motion By the same Big Bang It all started with a Big Bang It's expanding ever outward but one day We're going <laughs> to, as I say, there's drinking beers. Um, swig, swig a beer for the working man. How you doing, Steve Austin? <laughs> That's right. Um, tonight, we are going to review the season finale of The Big Bang Theory. But that's just an excuse, really. That's just a setup for my special guest and I to talk a little bit about the success of CBS's hit show, The Big Bang Theory, and really talk about why it's successful in our opinion, our humble opinions, our amateur opinions, if you will. Why it's successful, why is it one of the highest-rated shows, um, or highest-rated sitcoms on TV right now? But here's the rub. As highly rated as it is in terms of viewership, uh, more people watch it than Parks and Rec, Recreation, more people watch it than Community, etc. Both shows that are fashionable among the we hate everything popular crowd. What we're going to look at tonight is why people who the show would would be written for, why people in the quote unquote nerd circles would run away from this show screaming. And when I say screaming, I mean there are people who will argue with me for hours on end. Who would win in a fight, Batman versus Superman? Or, you know, who, actually a better comparison might have been Batman versus Iron Man. But see, the fact that I even said that, right? The point of it is, is I, is I, I know so many nerds. <laughs> <laughs> I just know so many. <laughs> um, and they all hate the show. And I thought tonight would be an opportune time seeing as the season finale just ended to talk about why these people seem to hate this show and why they are mistaken and um, why they should give it a chance. And they'll be able to because it was renewed for like three more seasons as opposed to Parks and Recreations, which has just got one more season left and then it's being canceled. I'm going to keep jabbing you people with that stick. All right. Uh, but I'm not here alone. I'm not going to be talking to myself because uh, that would be a terrible podcast. Uh, I have brought on to the show for her yearly Rattledge and Broadcasting <laughs> appearance, Giggles McGee. I think it's more frequent than a year, though, because wasn't Twilight? No, Twilight was about Twilight a year ago. Twilight was last year. Yeah, it was, last, it was July. It was July. You made me wait until July because we... Uh, I wouldn't be at work then. <laughs> right. You're like, hey, I'm not staying up for your stupid podcast. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the last time you heard the beautiful... The vivacious, the milky, the oh, <laughs> shut up, <laughs> mother 
of the year, <laughs> Melissa Radelich. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. I'm going to beat you, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, so people, so they know where to direct the hate mail. Um, <laughs> she is uh, Melissa Radel- Melissa Day Radelich on Facebook. Oh, and thanks. <laughs> <laughs> And she is also Melissa Radledge at gmail.com. She is the reason why I watched The Big Bang Theory. And if it had not been for her when we were dating, not only would I have never watched How I Met Your Mother because that show looked terrible, I would have never have watched The Big Bang Theory, and therefore this podcast wouldn't be in existence today. So thank you, Melissa, kids. <laughs> You're welcome. Because <laughs> you know you love it. I do. I love The Big Bang Theory. I think it's... I, it deserves its place in its designation as one of the most highest-rated sitcoms currently going on uh, modern de- um, television. I mean, it's not The Wire, but... No, but it's not supposed to be <laughs> No, this is not supposed to be The Wire. Um, so let me, let, let, let's get right to this. And tonight was the season finale, as I said before. Um, quick spoiler alert. Let me quick just dole out the plot here. Uh, the previous episode, Penny had decided that she needed to make some changes in her life and make better decisions, and one of those decisions was that um, in her heart she knew she loved Leonard and it was time to stop running away from their relationship. Which, on a side note, have yes. you seen in the news lately that there is a huge, not Think, but that her proposing to Leonard has actually triggered all of the news outlets to run stories about is it okay for women to propose to men? Were we just watching uh, a whole thing on The Daily Show about how the news media ran wild with some fight in an elevator? Oh, between Jay-Z and Solange. Who's? Her name That's is Orange? Solange. Solange? That's, yes, basically. It's Beyonce's sister. Her name is Salisbury? <laughs> yeah, Salisbury Steak, actually. Her why big beef eaters. Why, why, why was Jay-Z attacked by a Salisbury Steak? They haven't released that information yet. The only thing you're hearing is that um, families have their problems. Uh, I see. So, yes, yeah, this retarded fight in an elevator apparently made national news, and The Daily Show made fun of it. Um, so it would not be – and the whole angle on that was it's not news. <laughs> yeah, but, no, there's, like, apparently there's a huge thing with millennials – Mm-hmm. I guess I'm considered, um, that for millennials, they say it is not okay for a woman to propose for a man to a man, except it's a big trend right now where women are finally just saying, like, he's too slow, I'm just going to jump out and ask him myself, kind of like Penny. I mean, I want to make the changes in my life, so I'm going to do what I want, and what I want is to marry this man, so I'm going to ask. So this is bothering who? The millennials. Aren't the millennials the ones doing it? 30 and under. Uh, no, it's actually the slightly older group. Okay. So it would be like the people that are in their 30s that aren't married right now, uh-huh. they would be the ones more likely to. Well, sure. They're living with a time bomb in their uterus. Right, exactly. So I can see where the pressure right. would be so, but in the uterus. But the millennials are all like freaking out about it and are like, oh, no, 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 guys have to. Because remember, millennials are also throwbacks. Like they want kind of a return to. Square wheels. Kind of. <laughs> they want they want to go back to single family incomes and one family car uh, one family car garages. Yeah, and, pretty much. Um, anyway, I'm a tangent. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> um, if anyone who's a longtime fan of the Rattledge and broadcasting shows like The Long Road to Ruin or The Metal Hammer of Doom, if there's one thing that we really, really do well uh, <laughs> is tangents, rabbit holes, if you will. Uh, in any case, it's back to the previous episode of The Big Bang Theory. Uh, so. Penny proposed to Leonard, and then Leonard, and you know, they established that she wasn't settling for Leonard, which was another common theme throughout the. And I love series. how they handled that. Yes, she called him. A, what was it? A pop tart. Pop tart. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, he was like, oh, so I'm like a brand muffin. He's like, but I don't want to be a brand muffin. I want to be a pop tart. I want to be a pop tart. Um, so she said, no, you know, I want you, you stupid pop tart, which is, you know, lovely. And sounds like a conversation you and I would have. It, well, sure. Um, <laughs> And then he gave. Then he did a real proposal. Well, that should have made everyone happy. Yeah. She proposed to him. He proposed to her. Um, and he gave her a big ring. And she, of course, like any girl, would you know, just her eyes popped out of her head. You know, she did the cartoon wolf thing. Yeah. Um, like you do. And they got engaged, and that was the end of the episode. So this picks up. Um, some other things that were established in that episode is that they dropped a uh, a treadmill 
on Howard's mother, and she was incapacitated. And the whole point of that... As you are when you have a... <laughs> ...dropped on you. Um, and so what they established in that episode is that raising children is hard. <laughs> in case you were wondering. <laughs> As I try to get our one-month-old to calm down and go to sleep. Hey, eh, he wants to be on the podcast. So I say let him. Parenting. Hashtag. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, so the whole theme of their, their storyline in that episode between Howard and Bernadette is that raising children is hard and, and the mother approximates an infant. And so they have that tension between them. And in the end, Bernadette joins Team Putz as they decide to get a nurse. <laughs> so this episode continued on that thread. And then the third thread that was in that episode was uh, Raj, who if, you've been follow- if you haven't really been following the Big Bang Theory recently, uh, Raj finally got over his fear of talking to women. Um, With drugs. He did an experimental study. No, that wasn't the reason. No, Penny, what happened was he started dating the really thin, mousy woman. Yeah. And then I think Penny messed that all up or she took off and he got drunk. And, um, and that's when he, and then he, and he was pouring his heart out to Penny. And he suddenly realized, hey, wait a minute, I'm doing this without alcohol. Um, something along those lines. Then he's that right. wasn't an experimental study. That was like seasons ago. I don't remember. No, you don't. Uh, <laughs> I, I know it, this stuff. It all gets confused. Looks because you watched nine hours of the Big Bang Theory oh, a night. I sleep at night. Um, so many things. TBS. There are so many things you can watch on television. You watch reruns of the Big Bang Theory, and that's why we're doing this podcast, everyone. So, um, so Rod is saying is you know, he can finally talk to women. And this season, he started dating a dermatologist who kind of would be a, like a girl that I would go after, you know, <laughs> in my twenties. Uh, she has tattoos. She apparently likes metal and horror movies and stuff like that. So I don't like horror movies. Um, they slept together. Ta-da! Yay! Raj, Raj, after X amount of seasons of being the only one, inclu- you know, uh, including Sheldon, you know, who didn't have a girlfriend, uh, finally slept with a girl. Ta-da! So that kind of bled over into this one. All right, so we pick up this episode, and just so we, you know, we can get on with things, I'll, I'll quickly walk through the plot. Um, you, have your th- you have your three storylines. You have uh, Howard, um, Leonard and Penny having to break the news of their engagement and how that will affect Sheldon. You have um, Bernadette and Howard dealing with the mom and their inability to keep a nurse in the home because she keeps running them off. And then there's a, like, a, like an X thread. You know, we're not quite sure what's happening in this. I mean, they announced that Raj stopped at the girl, but it doesn't really go anywhere after that. They don't pick that, that, that last episode kind of, concluded that whole storyline for now. Um, so real quick, Leonard and uh, Penny, well, Leonard approaches Sheldon about wanting to live with Penny and miss, you know, and Sheldon may have to move, um, et cetera, et cetera, but they're not going to live with Sheldon, and Sheldon freaks out about that. And the next thing that happens is uh, all season long, Sheldon has been trying to abandon string theory, and he finally decides what he's going to study, and what he's going to do research on, and the university won't let him do it. So he has to go back to string theory, which I think they said in a previous episode was more or less a dead end. Something else, like, something else that already like, disproved it. Well, it, it's an area of study that there really is no advancement in. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody, yeah, they, they disproved it. Um, it. It has nowhere to go. Right. Um, so, and then the next thing that happens is that Stewart Comic Book Shop has burnt to the ground. Um, and so all of these things are affecting Sheldon. And if you know anything about the character, obviously he handles change poorly. Uh, he's very, I mean, where would you, you know, you're a teacher and this is your field of study. Where would you say he is on the autism spectrum? He's very, he's very much an Asperger's mm-hmm. personality. What is an Asperger's? Is that a tasty treat? Is, yeah. that, is that some sort of meaty delight? Well, no, no, I mean, it's, Get it, burgers. I get it. Right. Oh, you're funny. But no, I mean, it's looking at a classification. It's, it's, it's the classification of people who get fixated on things. They have uh, comfort zones. They're very stuck in their ways. Like, it's an OCD. I mean, look, I couldn't really diagnose him because I'm not a psychologist. But, but you're an educator who deals with special ed. And you see, and you teach, like, those are the kids that just, they don't handle change well. They really have to be prepped for things. Um, they get, they're highly fixated on things. They ask a lot of questions, really poor social skills, usually. Um, you know, I'm using generalizations, but, you know, they're, they're the, 
they're the weirdo kids that when, you know, because we're all not school age anymore, and when we were kids, things like autism and Asperger's weren't really discussed, you know, they're the things that we just called them weird kids. Um, I beat them up in the hallway. And they did. They got beat up in the hallway. And now they have a cold classification, and they're on the spectrum, and they're protected. And, you know, we celebrate those quirkiness. <laughs> we celebrate the quirkiness. Um, Can I ask you a question yeah. while we're talking about this? Yeah. One of the complaints about the Big Bang Theory is that, and I find this hilarious because I find that people who are fans of pro wrestling point this out, and it's something they don't like. And to me, that's both ironic and hilarious. hmm is that it's people with people on the spectrum, poor people on the spectrum, varying degrees, turned up to ten. You know, it, it's nerd culture, autism spectrum, all all pushed to the nth degree. Which again, I find very funny because that's how that's that's effective characterization in well, pro wrestling. What I, well, but it's effective characterization on any television show. But I always, okay, I have to go back to you. Big Bang Theory to me is now version of Friends. I want to come back to this, but finish making your point, but this is what I want to explore a little bit And if we go back and look at the characters on Friends, they were blown up. Right. They were, they were almost character, caricatures. Yes, caricatures. Yes. And that, but that's what these guys are. I think it's the same thing. I think, I think everybody knows a person like Sheldon. Everybody knows a person like uh, Raj or Howard or Leonard, although Leonard to me is not very blown up. He's very within the normal range of any person you I don't know. know. I, think, I think in terms of lacking testosterone, um, I, think, I think he's the reason why a lot of people hated this ver- Andrew Garfield's version of The Amazing Spider-Man too. It's like, for the love of God, be a man. Yeah. Have some balls. But here's the thing, though, is I think that there are a lot of guys out there who are just like that. Oh, absolutely. I no, no, I, think, I agree I with you. I don't think he's extreme. I think he's actually... I no, think, I absolutely agree. We have a culture of men who are absolute pussies. <laughs> And I'm glad you said that. I want everyone to know. Melissa Radlitz just said we have a culture of men oh, who are absolute bullshit. You said that. I gave you the words. You're <laughs> welcome. But um, you're right. The, 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 they're all blown up, but you blow up all characters. That's, that's you know, how you make You blow up reality. You blow people on a reality television show because if you just watch people doing their normal everyday thing, no one will watch. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so... Going, getting back to Sheldon, the reason why we went down that whole rabbit trail was, would you say his reaction to the engagement, the difficulty in his profession, his, his professional life, and then the conflict store all hitting him at once? Not to mention this whole season, and this is something I've commented on, is that you know you could you could have the arc of this season aside from Raj could have been called the humanization of Sheldon. Yeah. They did more to move his character forward and, and progress his character this season than I think in previous seasons. Definitely. And it culminated with the kiss on the train with, with him and Amy, um, who, for those that don't know, was, used to be Blossom. <laughs> Do you remember that television show? Dating myself. Anyway. No, um, I, I, I was old enough to watch that, too. Were Barely, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you weren't allowed to watch The Simpsons. What do I know? Yeah. No, that was the only one. Simpsons and MTV, that was the only one, too. So anyway, um, did you think his reaction was dramatically appropriate? I actually thought I loved I loved how they handled him. I thought you saw a man who really was struggling with things, and and he was being very honest and open about this is too much for me. I can't deal with it. I need to get away. Which I think so is anybody's reaction when too many things happen at once. I mean... So, right, let me stop you there. So, for people, so keeping, if you're playing the home game and trying to keep up with my um, unveiling of the plot, uh, after, remember, it's a 22-minute show, and so that, that, that was pretty much Sheldon's whole arc, and it ends, it culminates with him sitting in a train station, and he basically tells Leonard, I'm overwhelmed, I can't handle it, I need to process... He flat out said... I can't handle it. I need to leave. Right. So, so you know, with just a bag in his hand and his computer. Um, yeah, he literally only had his laptop. You know, he said, I'm going to ride the trains until I'm ready to come back. Yeah. And that was it. And there, there was something else there in that scene that I want to touch on really quick. But, um, but, I, but I cut you off there, and I wanted you to finish your point. Uh, I, I can't handle it. I'm going to ride the rails until I can get this all straight in my head and I'm ready to kind of reengage in life. 
realistic to you, not realistic, no, given what, what we know about that character? Wildly realistic. And I, I, but I think it, again, it goes back to what you were saying. This season is let's make him human. You know, for season after season, he's kind of been a robot. And um, he's never, and you know, and they talked about, oh, maybe he's an alien. I mean, there was a whole episode once where they joked about mm-hmm. him being an alien um, because he is so unhuman, inhuman. I don't know what the word I would want to use is. But here it is finally him kind of showing his vulnerability, showing his difficulties, showing, you know, showing he hit his breaking. I mean, you know, he said, I'm at my breaking point. And I thought it was a really human move to show him, like, okay, I need to, because he is kind of extreme. I mean, it would be extreme for him to be like, yeah, I'm just going to go get on a train. You know, a normal human being would be like, I'm going to spend the weekend in my bedroom. Right. Um, you know, listening to sad Tori Amos music and, you know, pretending to cut myself. Um, <laughs> a normal person, sure, pretending to cut themselves. Good, good. Pretending. They didn't really do it. <laughs> good. <laughs> Educator of America over here, folks. Well, um, you know what's hilarious? I keep looking at the computer as if it's a camera. I know you do. <laughs> I keep panning to the computer, eh? like a fucking John Stewart of the Daily Show, not the Green Lantern. Go on. Uh, um, anyway, but it was you know his way of showing his human side, which is a little bit different from a normal person. But again, we're talking about blown up characters and stuff. Yeah, in a blown up way. That in fact, maybe not. There are some people who would do stuff like that, but. I thought it was really. I actually really liked it. I liked how it was all handled. Um, the Howard Bernadette plot. I mean, there's they really didn't go yeah, anywhere. They, okay. they kept trying nurses that didn't work. They tried Penny that didn't work. Yeah, actually, I thought that was really funny. Um, and then it coalesced into the Stewart storyline, where Stewart's comic book shop had uh, burnt down, and he had nowhere to go. He had nothing, and he was. At one point, they, it was sort of a dark joke where a light fixture falls down and narrowly misses him, and he's like, that could have killed me. I can't catch a break. <laughs> I can't catch a break. Um, the conclusion of that storyline is Stuart ends up becoming the nurse for Howard's mother, and it's a perfect fit. He couldn't be happier. And I could do the next hour on Stuart. But... I love that character. I think he's, <laughs> he's not used enough. Um, yeah, he's a fun character. And I could talk about him for another hour. That's not the point of the podcast. So that, so that was that. Um, Rod, like I said, they really didn't deal with Raj and the girlfriends at all. No, he just brought – you know, it actually reminded me they gave such crap to Howard when he came back from, from space. space about, like, all he talked – you know, he fixed – somehow everything he talked about could go back to space. I thought it was really funny because that was kind of – that was kind of Raj. Well, the three of them have had a turn at that. When Leonard first started sleeping with Penny, that was all he talked about. Yeah. And Howard went to space, it was all – and when Howard got a girlfriend. When Howard got a girlfriend. Whenever some of them has something new and wonderful happening to them, it becomes a fixation for them. Mm-hmm. That's all they talk about. Um, right, reactions to the, and going back to the conclusion of the episode, because I think I've, I've, I've pretty much covered everything, um, Leonard is trying to convince Sheldon, Sheldon to, not go. to not go, and this is what I wanted to stop you on before, you know, if there's one character who understands sometimes needing to just get away and put some distance between you and, and try to figure things out because they're uncomfortable, you're making them uncomfortable, the, the walls are closing in, it's pain. Mm-hmm. That has been the story of her relationship with Leonard. Yeah, she always runs. Um, and, and she stopped running about a season or so ago, and, the, and, she's, and, you know, and that's why this, them getting engaged was such a mo- monumental thing to happen in the show, was that she finally ran to him right. instead of away from him, which had been her M.O. Um, and she says to Leonard, let him go. And th- this is a running theme with this show where they treat Sheldon like he's their child. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. I, I loved that. You know, Le- Leonard talks about him like he's, like he's his child. Well, that's, I, there was the big comment about, you know, he made, in fact, in this episode, Leonard said, he goes, remember, there are, you've, see, you've seen, what was it, you've seen? Little boys in the Freaky Friday. You've seen Freaky Friday, big people can go, you know, little people can get into big people's bodies, and, and it really is, I mean, but he is very much a child, and that's kind of his thing, though, is, Part of part of what makes Sheldon Sheldon is he is kind of a child in a grown man's body. I mean, here's this person who, at a young age, was a genius and, you know, had this intelligence of an adult, but he never really, if you really think about it, he never matured. He, you know, he's still an eight-year-old boy. He still plays with trains. He still reads comic books. He, right. You know, still girl, girls are gross, you know, all that stuff. He's still very much an eight-year-old boy. He just happens to be a super genius. Right. So... 
when she finally tells Leonard, you know, let him go, and there's a back and forth between the two of them where basically he's like, you won't survive on his own, and she was like, you know what, maybe, maybe not, but you have to let him try. Right. Um, and then, of course, Sheldon says something jerky. and <laughs> She made the Padawan joke, and she's like that, you know, she goes, you know, you've taught him well, Padawan, or something right. like that. And yeah, and she reversed it. Funny, you did the same thing. I, no, she, no, my friend said that she would teach me because I was her Jedi. The future ex-Mrs. Rattlist, yes, right? Yes, the future ex-Mrs. Rattlist. Right. Hi, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right, let's get some reactions here. What, I mean, and I think we've, we've, talked, we've talked about it a little bit, but what was your reaction to this episode? I mean, you know, we've had some letdowns. We've had Breaking Bad. The the ending was. See, I didn't watch that, so that wasn't anything for me. No, but, no, no. What I'm saying is, it was perfect. Okay. It, was, it was, I think, universally loved. Uh, um, I watched I, it with you, but. Yeah. Well, no, no. I'm I'm building up something. How I Met Your Mother. I think most people hated it. I think most people. It was like it, it ran from. They accepted it as sort of you know we we all knew this was going to happen. This is like getting your teeth pulled, you know. Yeah. You know it's gonna, it's gonna. You suck. wanted it to be quick and dirty, and it was not quick and dirty. No, really dirty. Um, so you know, and that was one where you know you and I had been watching it for a while. So again, when you turned me on to, um, I, I would tell you that I think we both decided it was a letdown. It was a huge letdown. Um, this isn't the series finale, so it doesn't totally fit here. But this was the season finale of this of this season, the seventh season of The Big Bang Theory. What did you think of it? No, I thought it was actually really, really well done. I love how, you know, one of the big themes with their season finales is someone is always leaving. Yes. Um, there's always a leave. There's always, and it's usually Leonard. Um, although occasionally it's been all of them, and then you know Howard, you know, left. I don't think there's usually anything. Usually Howard is involved in the going away. You if you go that? back and look at the yes, that's what I meant. Well, Leonard. hang on. Leonard left. They all left to go to the to go to the Arctic on right. Sheldon's strength theory mission. Right. That was one season. Howard went to space. That was one season. Leonard went to somewhere. He went. He went to like the North Atlantic. Yeah. Ship. Yeah. But that's only three. Um, this would be four out of seven. So there's three seasons. One well, ended with one ended with Penny and Raj in bed together. Right. So that's that's four. No, that's five. Mm-hmm. I can't do math apparently. You, <laughs> so there's you, two. You're two, on that Common Core. <laughs> no, let me explain how numbers work. <laughs> um, uh, I can't remember, but no, Leonard. But there's typically there's something that goes wrong between, or there's something going on with um, Leonard and Penny, and then mm-hmm. usually Leonard kind of goes away for something. I mean, it's usually academically driven, but he he's like traveling or. I'm wondering if the if the episode where Will Wheaton broke them up was a, was a season finale. I don't remember, but it might have been. Okay. Um, so the, the season usually ends on a cliffhanger right. of some sort. Um, someone going away or some, some so, I mean, big it, action that sets up the next season. But it followed that, so I thought that was really good. Um, the comic book thing took me for a loop and actually really upset me. I felt it, it really, really bothered me just because that's such a huge part of that show. Um, and I, I'm hoping that they, you know, they fix the comic book shop and everything. But it makes me happy because I'm hoping it means that there's going to be more storyline with Stuart. Because um, I do really like him as a character. I, I would awesome. tell you that I don't think the comic book store is coming back, at least not Stewart's comic book store. Yeah. Um, sorry to the good folks over at the Three Beards and uh, my friends over at Casual Heroes, but comic book stores are probably not going to last. <laughs> <laughs> brick and mortar bookstores, brick and mortar I don't mortar know, Lily thinks they're fun to go play in. As but I that's because you buy her a toy. <laughs> <laughs> Keyword being toy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't see comic book stores lasting, and that's been a common thread throughout the Big Bang Theory, is that this guy can't keep his comic book store going because um, for 70 bucks you can read all the Marvel comics you want on, online, and, or you can buy them digitally on Comixology or, or, or the Amazon store, and so more people are doing that as we, not to get, go down this rabbit hole, but as more people migrate to, to mobile technology, there's less of a desire to buy things on paper, and that affects stores, like comic book stores. But I will tell you that there's an up-and-coming generation of kids who are obsessed with um, comic um, comic stories. Like, I don't know what they're called now. I just blinked on it. Where they take, like... Manga? No, not quite. But, like, where they take, like, a story and they do it as, a, a, as like, a comic version. Okay, but unless they're obsessed with turning physical pages, that doesn't 
really coming to my point that I'm making. That's on a whole other podcast where you and I can cite because I can tell you where I see an insurgence of kids who want physical books. Yeah, I don't see that happening. Um, but that's, but anyone who's ever listened to me, I'm a casual hero. I'm doom and gloom all the time. I, you know, I see the, the end. I'm the old man on the street corner. The end is nigh for everything. Um, yeah, you are. Yeah, I am Captain Cynicism. That's my superpower. <sighs> my wife just rolls her eyes at me. So love you, honey. <laughs> um, I want to talk about the intense hatred that people who <laughs> should like this show have for it. But um, before we do, we're going to get right into that in just a minute. Uh, I liked this episode. I've walked out of the room a few times during yes, Big Bang Theory. I, because you I, have turned it off on me when I'm watching it because you can't handle awkward yeah, moments. I, you know, I, there, are, there are moments in the Big Bang Theory, and I, and I like the show a lot. Um, I, really, I look forward to Thursdays like I used to look forward to Mondays because I want to see what's going to happen next with you. I'm invested in the show. Um, but there are times when I don't feel like they're acting like human beings. <laughs> you know, they're, they're so awkward. And, and it's not just this show. I've had this problem with, with... With every show we watch. But I've had this problem my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> the exception of Night Court, which was perfect. Every episode was perfect. <laughs> I didn't have this problem. But like Three's Company, that that awkward misunderstanding. I've never watched that show. That's because you're 12. Um, but uh, for people who are not 12, you remember the show Three's Company, and the, the whole setup to that show was those awkward encounters. Um, you know, Mr. Furley walking into a room and hearing voices in the next room that intimated that Jack was gay, and him like, oh my goodness, it's the 70s, and he might be gay and living with two women, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I always found it difficult to watch shows like that because there were moments where the people were so awkward and so unbelievable, I couldn't take it anymore and had to leave the room or turn it off. There are moments like that in the Big Bang Theory, but I don't think that necessarily takes away from the show. I just think I can't. I just, it's my little, like, autism thing. Yeah, it's my, <laughs> my quirk. My little autism thing. Um, but this was one of those shows where I watched every minute of it. I savored every minute of it. I enjoyed every minute of it. I felt like everything got tied up really nicely. I liked the fact that um, they're all progressing. It's one of the things I hated about certain shows that I used to watch where I didn't feel like there was any How progression. I Met Your Mother? Well, no. The characters progressed on How I Met Your Mother. It just didn't progress the way we all wanted them to. Um, I, I, there's, there's been shows that I've watched in the past. Uh, like, Welcome Back, Cotter. Because this is this, the mid-80s, and people are getting these references. Welcome back, Cotter. There was no character progression. It was the same shit every episode. You know, it was Mr. Cotter and the Sweat Hogs, and no one ever did anything. And they, there was no continuity in the series. Uh, that kind of thing bothers me. And if you could think of a more up-to-date uh, <laughs> version of that sort of thing, let me know. But um, I like shows where, I mean, Christ, they even have character progression in The Thank Simpsons. You. Okay, Seinfeld. Go ahead. So I, that's what I was just thinking. Where you said, well, and I'm not a big Seinfeld fan, so this is like, you know, I didn't really watch a lot. But the way you're describing it, it's like where you can pick up any episode and watch it, and it, there's, it doesn't matter that you missed what happened before and or after it. Right, and Seinfeld would actually be more, more pro, another example of, of a show I couldn't watch. I know people think Seinfeld's the best show ever written, and Larry David is like a god of, you know, comic writing, but I actually found the show intolerable. I mean, I laughed here and there, um, but for the most part, I couldn't stand Seinfeld because, A, the characters never progressed. Right. These weren't people I could root for. I, you know, I, I root for Leonard. You know, as a friend said to me once, you know, I, we're rooting for you in love. You know, I root for Leonard and, and Penny. I root for Sheldon and Amy. I root for Howard and Bernadette. I root for Raj and Random Broad. Well, you went for Raj to get something. Yeah. <laughs> I, I root for that character to stop saying, I'm so lonely! <laughs> that labored Indian accent. Um, so I, enjoy, I really enjoyed the show. Okay, with the few remaining moments we have left, and we're going to cut short at uh, about an hour, so we've got about 25 minutes to sort of explore this topic. Um, here's where I, I weigh in on this. As we said at the top of the show, all, all visual entertainment mediums are going to be exaggerated. They have to be in order to be entertaining. Um, even shows like The Office, which were subdued, still had know, exaggerated yeah, characters. Yeah, those characters were exaggerated, too. I mean, uh, I didn't really watch it very often, but I can, I can, just from the little bits I saw of it, I mean, you know, anybody who works in a small office, like, yeah, you probably have characters like that in your office, but none of them are quite 
that. So, so I feel like the argument that these are pe- these are four guys with autism who are completely blown overboard isn't a. I think it's, a, it's I think it's a fallacious argument, and I think you know like now you're just nitpicking. Now you're finding reasons. But this is why I wanted to have you on because I'm just gonna throw this out there and let you expound upon it. Oh, no. And you are of course the woman who came onto my podcast many many years ago. He called all of my friends nerds well, yeah. to the point where we started an ECW medley of all of my friends then calling in and yelling at you. I, I'm lucky that I was able to, you know, maintain that some of them kind of still like me. I don't, who do I even talk to from that moment? John. Who do I even talk to from <laughs> that moment? Um, so here it is. Let me just, let, let's just come right out and say it. All of the people that I engage with in, we'll call it the nerd culture, mm-hmm. and I am going to address the term nerd blackface here now, but in the nerd culture, in the geek culture, in the Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Star Trek, book. comic books, D&D, that whole sphere of non-sports, okay, that, you know, the non-sports, non-cars, everything else, yeah. fantasy, that culture, which I am steeped in, and so are most of my friends. And I'm the mo- outsider. And most of the people I do podcasts with, Casual Heroes, um, Long Road to Ruin, Middle Hammer of Doom, uh, everyone loves a bad guy. Um, <laughs> throw on me, yes. Everybody loves <laughs> me, basically. These people are steeped in that culture. And so when I look at the Big Bang Theory and I look at those four primary characters, as you said before, I see someone attempting to replicate the friends equation, the, the, the friends setup, they but, steeping it. It, <laughs> but steeping it in the nerd culture. Yes. So what do you say back to those people who, who are running away from this, saying, oh, my God, this is derivative, this is, someone referred to it as cake in a box, Okay, so here's my take on it. Okay. Now, I am outside of the culture. The only connection I have to the culture is I married a member of it who has had to teach me. And, I mean, like, when I tell you I'm outside of it, like, come on, I fell asleep in every Star Wars movie I've ever tried to watch. All of them? All of the ones I tried to watch. <laughs> so, folks, she, she was awake for one movie, and it was the one she saw with me, which was The Phantom Menace in 3D. And I didn't like it very much. But I think that's a good thing that I didn't like it. Yeah, most people don't. Yeah. So, I mean, like, so I'm very much outside of the culture. You know, I am Penny. Um, very much so. In fact, what makes you Penny? Well, you and I have had this discussion, you know. Yes, but they haven't heard it. Okay. So, you know, for her, her passion is the people she loves, and that's kind of my life. I don't get excited about television shows. In fact, if I didn't watch, I don't watch television half the time. It's background noise for me. I just like the noise. It's something to help me fall asleep at night. I'm not overly passionate about it. I'm not overly passionate about music. I'm not obsessed with movies. I'm not obsessed with any of those. You know, I didn't play Dungeons and Dragons and do things like that when I was younger. Um, I made fun of those people. Um, so I and I wasn't like a bully because I I was in a different subgenre of people. You know, I was like the weird. You know, I was the school newspaper editor. So it's not like I was Miss Popularity or anything. But you know, I'm an outsider to the culture. Um, so for me, what I see, though, is the reason why members of the culture run away from it so much is it, it for them, hits too close to home. It's too close to life for them and the things that they, the conversations they have with their friends, the struggles they go through with relationships and when you have, you know, when you lust after the girl who's not a part of the culture and is she going to, you know, is she going to talk to me or isn't she going to talk to me or, you know, how do I talk to the pretty girl? It, it's, to me, it, it hits too close to home, and, and they recognize too much of themselves in some of the characters, and they don't like it. It sounds like you're saying that many people watch the show and don't want to admit that they're on some level like that. Yeah, very much so. There's a shame in it, and I don't understand why, because I feel like, truthfully, I feel like this show doesn't make fun of it. I think it celebrates it. Okay, let's stop there, because this is where the term nerd blackface comes from. We all know what blackface is. I don't think I need to get into a long, indefinite discussion of the history of blackface. But um, I think the counter-argument, and, and I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here because I want to get more of Melissa's thoughts out there, but um, <laughs> to which he shook her fist at me. But 
I think the counter argument to that is, and I, and, I, and I absolutely think you're right. I do think people are running away from it because they see too much of themselves in that. And this is a culture, and I don't know if people like this in sports. You know, I don't know. I don't know if people like this in like muscle cars and shit like that. But I, I do know that among the nerd culture, um, well, just take pro wrestling to be an example of that. Uh, pro wrestling is one of those things where, where it's mine. It's precious to me. No, you know? and I do think that you're absolutely right. And we don't want to share it with anybody. No, and I think this show actually does a really, from what I've learned from you and from observing your friends, who I love dearly, um, <laughs> and I don't, say that, I don't say that like as a forceful thing. I say that as I do, I have, I have loved getting to know this, this culture. I, I think it's fascinating. Um, one of the things I do find with you guys, though, is you are extremely protective and extremely secretive about it. Right. There's you know. a secret language. There's secret handshakes. You know, it's, it's really comical to watch because it really, I mean, there's a whole language. And we don't want to share it. No, you don't. I want, to, I want to quick tell a story about this. It's a very long story, and those who grew up with me know this. Um, if, the, if you know the story, I'm going to tell right now, it's the original Green Day fan. So... Um, my wife has heard of this. So uh, if you know anything about Green Day, you know that they're a multi-platinum um, punk band. They're, they're one of the two bands that when punk went, quote-unquote, mainstream, um, you know, they, they were right there at the forefront of that. Um, but I think Green Day hit big with Dookie in 1994. I was in middle school. Yes, you were. And I distinctly remember it, too. I mean, like, because everybody made a big deal because the album was called Dookie. Right. So I remember at the time Green Day seemed to have come out of nowhere. And to, to a degree, they did. Now, if you know the story of Green Day, that's not entirely true. They were notorious tourer. They were relentless tourers. Um, they had put out, I think, uh, some, some split seven inches and EPs and whatnot, and was, which were collected onto a pair of albums, which they sold out of their van as they were touring. Um, the, Green Day was very much a DIY, you know, do-it-yourself uh, in the spirit of the old punk rock kind of band. But for all intents and purposes, they came out of the clear blue sky in 1994 with, um, with their big hit, and it was a buzz clip, for those of you who remember what that was on MTV. Um, and they blew up instantaneously. It was, it was like, you know, there's a guy masturbating on the couch. Hot dog! <laughs> We're all fans now. And there was a kid, God bless him, one of my good friends from high school, uh, who swore on a stack of Bibles that he knew who Green Day was before anybody else and was pissed off that they had gotten so popular and that everybody who just was jumping on the bandwagon in 1994, you know, were a bunch of posers. And we all looked, now look, we all looked at him at the time and we're like, look, we were all kind of there with you in terms of we hate it when like, you know, like Nine Inch Nails would have been a better example of that sort of thing. They had a legacy before they went big and became a buzz clip and, you know, the white hat started listening to them. Um, yes, I still, I still call Jock's white hat. I don't, I don't get it, but anyway. Um, you had to be in high school in the 90s. In any case, but no one knew who the fuck Green Day was. And for him to turn around and say, oh, I knew who Green Day was before they were ever popular was horseshit. And it was an example of, and I'm telling the story how it relates to the bang theory, is that people who are so protective of things and, and want to stand apart from popular culture, and I think that's really where, where we need to take this conversation, yeah. is there's, su there, there, there's a subculture and the pop culture, and there are people who purposefully relentlessly avoid pop culture at all costs. And if something is popular, they, you know, and I use, and I'm picking on the Parks and Rec fans. I'm going to watch this show. I think one of my friends said, uh, you know, I'm missing out by not watching Community. And I think there's an article that have been written that Community seems to handle the nerd culture better than the Big Bang Theory. And I, I don't care. I like the Big Bang Theory. It's funny. And I'm going to keep watching it. You don't have to work at the comedy. Yeah. It's not subtle. And I mean, I, like, I know that just makes me, you know, maybe that makes me sound stupid, but it's like, I'm sorry, I don't want to have to think hard about my comedy. I want it to kind of beat me over the head like, this is funny. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Hi, I'm Harry Mark. I mean, come on, that's what I need in my life. She just implies that I beat her over the head and yelled, this is funny. <laughs> <laughs> when you make a joke, yes, you do. I'm being funny right now. 
Um, someone has referred to me as the human family guy joke, where I beat things into the ground and girls are funny again. Yes. <laughs> but so the point that I'm getting at is I think the hatred, and you, I think, agree with this 100%, the hatred towards the Big Bang Theory is people in, um, who are mired in subculture purposely pointing at the popular culture and saying bad, because I'll tell you, let's flip it. Let's make community um, the highest rated program uh, in, uh, on network television in prime time, and let's make Big Bang Theory the one that pulls an average of you know, TNA's ratings, uh, you know, 1.2 or whatever. And I think maybe you see something different. I think you see, you know, I, I'm sure there are some people who still don't find the show entertaining, and that's fine. Like, and yeah, not everybody is. I mean, but I think you would see less of the ardent hatred. And when I say ardent hatred, and you'll back me up on that. Oh, yeah. When you tell someone who is one of those people sort of pointing and saying, you know, with, with the cross and the fingers, nah, keep away from anything popular. Stay out of the sunlight. Um, when you tell them you watch the Big Bang Theory, uh, fangs, fangs grow out of their mouths, drool. Uh, they just, you know, eyes start to cross, ears become become elf-like. I, they just vicious, vicious things get said. Mm-hmm. It isn't just a guy. I'm not a fan. You get that is the worst show on television. You should kill yourself, or something to that effect. I mean, you know what I mean? I do. I do. Well, I don't get it because I'm not in the culture. Um, <laughs> You mean, you mean the women in your school and teachers that aren't running around telling you die if you watch the Big Bang no, Theory? No, I don't think watch it. I think I'm one of the few people who do watch it. Oh, okay. But um, Because I've never had this discussion with any of them, to be truthful with you. But, like, a good example, my your wife, my very best friend, she has my no, second wife. She has no issue with it. By the way, she's not a future ex-Mrs. Radulich. She's, she's, she's going to be the one who sticks around. Yeah. Um, she, but she doesn't have an issue with it, and she's kind of a nerd to me. Um, but it's not something that bothers There's no kind of. There's no kind of... She wasn't like that when we first became friends. But anyway. Oh, she wasn't obsessed with Zelda? No, and... not when we first became friends. That came when John came. Okay. She, she, she's definitely a nerd girlfriend. Then. She's a nerd girlfriend. Um, but I love her. So, anyway. But, I, like, I don't think she cares. I don't know if she watches it, but I don't think she cares. Um, so, she, like, like, the people I know aren't, like, in that inner circle, you know, we're the cool guys kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but I lost my point, by the way. We were talking about how <laughs> the vicious reaction. Yeah, so like most people I know don't have the reactions, but again, I'm not in steeped in the culture, so I wouldn't have the people around me having that reaction, but I do know your friends do. Um, but I go back to, and as much as, you know, I love, love them, and I do, you know, I, I do love them, um, it, is, it's, they t- it takes the things in their life that they hold sacred, and it puts it very blatantly out there, and it, and it really shows it. I mean, come on, you're talking about a show that has, you're talking about a show that has written and shown you how you play Dungeons and Dragons, basically, and, and gone through, like, they're, go, you know, they're, they're playing whole games and mm-hmm. made it into episodes. They talk about doing kind of the role-playing stuff and going to the Ren Fairs all dressed up and going to Comic-Con and all of that, and they've really put it out there for people to see it. And they've actually, and the characters themselves have, have really blatantly discussed what it was like being a kid that was into this stuff. And, you know, one of my favorite lines that's been an episode that's been on repeats a lot lately is, you know, Howard is into doing magic tricks. And um, he started doing them when he was young. And, and um, you know, Raj asks them, you know, like, oh, did you find success? Of it? He goes, yeah, you know, I got isolated and left out of every party social event and, and history, you know. And I think that for a lot of people, it's, it hits too close to home and it makes them realize, like, you know, things, this, they, they are it's being celebrated, the torture that I went through as a child now. Um, and I think it, they get a little bitter about that kind of stuff. Um, a minor point, but one that I want to discuss is a lot is made out of the fact that they're all for some, you know, one's an engineer and then you have two scientists. Yes. Uh, Three doctors and, and an engineer. And an engineer. Um, and they feel like that's not realistic. Um, that This is the argument, and I've actually heard this. They're not relatable people because nobody knows – there aren't that many collections of young scientists hanging around each other who happen to do all of this nerd stuff. Except the truth is, though, is you hang out with the people who are like you. And so if you are a scientist, a lot of your friends are going to be scientists. I mean, but it's the things you have in common. I think that that's a BS thing. I think the fact that they're doctors, with the exception of Sheldon, that's a non – 
thing. Sheldon's the only one who really makes a point out of it because he likes to pick on Howard for not having his doctorate. But mm-hmm. I think take that out of the equation and you still have a show. I think they just so happened to put them at a university because that was what these guys did. Um, you know, I, it's an interesting thing because they, cause they have shown you other scientists on the show. Yeah. And they're not all like that. No, well, I mean, you know, how these, these four, these four awkward guys came together, and they sort of complement each other. But there, but you were about to talk about Bernadette. Bernadette's so. a doctor, and then you've got Amy Farrah Fowler too. I mean, so you've got two females who are brought into the show, who are both doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only one who's kind of the awkward one is, is Amy. Um, Bernadette is. Reasonably adjusted. Reason, yeah, she's like, like the worst quirky thing about her is she's short. Yeah, she's short and has a squeaky voice. Like mm-hmm. that's it, and massive, massive boobs. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, like that's but that's the thing though. It's like you you hang out with the people who are like you. You know, I mean, you want to you you tend to try to be around people who are similar to you. I mean, at this point in our lives, most of our well, no, I can't even say that anymore. Never mind. I take it back. I'd say most of our friends are college educated, but. There's a pretty big contingency that aren't. Um, but even the non-college educated ones. Are still educated individuals. Well, I was listening, and are steeped in the nerd culture. In the nerd culture, yeah. If you're listening, Paul and Sarah, nerds. <laughs> um, I mean, come on. Paul gave all of his groomsmen 25 and die cufflinks. He did. For their wedding. He did. Um, and I was excited because I knew what they were. We're going to start to close out here. Um, the people who have been gracious enough to listen to us talk about the Big Bang Theory for the last 50-some-odd uh, minutes, we have about eight minutes left of the podcast. We are going to do a hard stop at about um, in about eight minutes or so. Yes, because I'm a nursing mother. <laughs> are you, Milky? Yes, I'm, I'm starting to look. <laughs> are you? I really am. For the next eight no! minutes. No! Get off this <laughs> subject. Leakage. No, get off the subject. Uh, but if you want to call in and ask a very quick question, um, 323-657-0901. Again, that number is 323-657-0901. Uh, if you have a question for myself or Melissa, you know, you want to do a quick counterpoint, and I do mean quick, like 50 words or less, um, now would be the time. Um, I do want to start to close out. Uh, anything left unsaid? I think we, I think we, we pretty much... Back. The only thing I wanted to go back to is this is Friends 2.0. Yeah. This would be this is friends for the nerd for the for the nerd subculture. I don't even think it's for the nerd subculture because most of the people I know who love the show would not be part of that subculture. Well, that's well again. I don't think you necessarily have to be in it to love it. Yeah. But, but it's the same. It's the same point. Well, hang on. I always my problem with friends were those. And actually, I'm going to brought this up. I relate to the guys in the Big Bang Theory, and so do all of my friends. Even if you hate the show, you still relate to those guys. You're just running away from it, cowards. Um, you have had those discussions. <laughs> and you have had those discussions in the comic book store. <laughs> you come on my podcast and had them. <laughs> it was terrible. 323 um, <laughs> And that was Mark, not me. But uh, the, I didn't relate to the people on Friends. Um, I relate to the people on The Big Bang Theory. Here's the difference. Uh, I'm not a yuppie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember how old I was when Friends was around, but I, was, I had to have been in my like, late teens, early 20s. You would have probably been in high school going into college, because I was in middle school going into high school. Okay. Um, so obviously that was not, you know, I, the, the, the episode that I think I always go back to when I say I don't relate to, to Friends was the Hootie and the Blowfish. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> But I knew where you were going because I could relate to that one. Okay. So here you have six people talking about going to a Hootie and the Blowfish concert, which was the measuring stick for crap when I was that age. And my favorite band when I was that age. And then we got married anyway because um, she sat through all 12 hours of the Lord of the Rings. Yes, I did. In any case, I, uh, I, I could not relate to those people because of it was stuff like that. Like I, I didn't like the music. I didn't relate to their issues. It just felt like it was like a hundred seasons of Ross chasing Rachel, and I'm like, who the fuck cares? Just who cares? But I totally got it, and that was, and I understood, and I wanted to grow up and be like them. I wanted to have my six friends where we hung out in the coffee shop and mm-hmm. shared our trials and tribulations, and I wanted to live in, in a really cool apartment with my best friend, and you know all that kind of stuff. So I totally got friends, and I loved friends. And these were alien people to me. I didn't get it at all. 
Um, now, you know, 100 years later, and we're watching the Big Bang Theory, and there are episodes where they'll say stuff, and Melissa will look at me and go, Bleh! and I'll have to explain to her what it was they just said and what the relevance of that was and why I'm in tears now laughing at this. Um, I, I say unto thee, if you haven't given the show a chance, uh, and it's because of the things that I've said and you just don't want to admit it, um, you, know, you, 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 know, you know deep down you don't want to admit that this is what you're like on some level and that this show is a reflection of that, and so you, you won't give it a chance. Um, have a little courage. Try it. You know, go back and watch. You know, I don't think you have to go back and watch go all the way at the beginning. Watch the beginning of season seven, which is the season that just ended. Give it a chance. You may still not like it. Someone again referred to it as cake in a box. It's a formula that works. Um, you know, and as Melissa said, well, I was going to say, as Melissa said, uh, sometimes you just you want cake in a box. Now, does that mean you don't like gourmet cupcakes? No, but sometimes you just want cake in a box. Um, and it is. And, I, and again, it, the, the argument that, you know, oh, I'm, I'm above that sort of thing. I'm too good for cake in a box. You know, that's fine. That, that's, that's fine for you. I'm not going to do another hour on why I think that's pretentious and obnoxious. But I will say this. Um, the Wire had five seasons on HBO. Go watch that. Okay? Go, go watch five seasons of The Wire. And when you're done crying, when you're done seeing the world as it's portrayed in The Wire, which is a sad, sad place. <laughs> uh, the, the last episode of The Wire brought my wife to tears. I went to school and hugged every kid that next day. Yes, she did. Um, you might find watching the show that this mindless as <laughs> the Big Bang Theory can be, uh, be quite palate cleansing. Palate cleansing. You know, I know we're trying to end things, but just kind of made me think after you said that, do you think part of why though you and I so enjoy this sh- the cake in the box is due to the fact that when we come home after a day of dealing with inmates and title and students, we just want cake in a box? Sure. I mean, it's why I watch a lot of animated shows. You know, well, granted, you know, the DC animated universe is probably some of the best written TV I've ever seen. Hey, your daughter loves Justice League. <laughs> she does. Everybody is Spider-Man. Yeah, that they are. Um, she doesn't even a character on the show, which cracks me up. But anyway. Nope. Uh, she's three, and I'll forgive her for that. Um, no, I, you're, right, you're right. There are times when I come home, and after dealing with uh, the – and after dealing with how sad the real world is, maybe I want something that's fluffy, something that's um, close to irrelevant. I don't – look, I, again, I, I keep bringing up The Wire because it was simply the best show in the history of television. Um, but it was also some serious business. Oh my goodness. Anyway. And, it, and I, I can't do that all the time. I can't watch it. And say, well, why don't you watch Parks and Recs or Community? Who fucking cares? It takes too much thinking. Well, not even that. I don't know. I don't know anything about these shows. I never watched them. But I, don't, I, I found something I like. Leave me alone. <laughs> Which I'm sure is what everyone else is saying about me and the Big Bang Theory. And listen, if you watch the Big Bang Theory and you're not entertained by it, that's fine. That's not what this podcast was about. This was a podcast pointing, pointing at the culture and saying, you know why you don't watch this show. And it's not because you don't find it entertaining. It's because those fucking people are way too much like you and you don't like it. Right? Right. All right. Uh, I no longer have any friends. <laughs> I think I had you me. <laughs> the Rattles and Broadcasting Network has now become a solo project. <laughs> I love you all. I love you all. And I'm sure I'll hear about this on successive podcasts as everyone proceeds to scream at me. Uh, Melissa, thank you for indulging indulging me, putting up with uh, Radio Man voice. Yep. Um, Anything you want to plug? Would you like to plug the uh, nine gallons of milk you produce a day? (laughs) Shut up! (laughs) Uh, thank, Thank you for gracing me with your presence. You're welcome. All right. Um, and he's just not starting to get fussy. Oh, good. This is well time. Probably you're also getting tired of me screaming in Radio Man voice. Probably. All right. Uh, Rattle Legend Broadcasting Network is your one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. We've got sports with Fawdy uh, oh, 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 oh. McGee. Good grief. I hope that that didn't get picked up on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> We've got sports <laughs> with Jason Teasley, Jesse Starcher, and uh, Rob Cooper. 
one month old. <laughs> Robert Cooper uh, heads up the Metal Hammer of Doom and the Sentai Rider uh, podcast. Sean Comer and Robert Winfrey are holding it down on the long road to ruin. Uh, I will be back at the uh, tail end of June, first on the Metal Hammer of Doom and then on the long road to ruin. We'll be coming back and doing Transformers, and then we'll be spending the rest of the summer delving into Batman the Animated Series. When we come back on the Metal Hammer of... No one asked you. When we come back on the Metal Hammer of Doom, we'll be starting out with Steel Panther and doing body counts in the house. Body counts. Oh, body counts in the house. New Bond Count album, Manslaughter. I'm waiting for your daughter to come out. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll be uh, be doing that. Um, Again, check out Robert Winfrey's Everyone Loves a Bad Guy. And uh, if you're into MMA, the 411 Ground and Pound radio show, Sunday nights now at 8 o'clock with, again, uh, host Robert Winfrey, who's doing an awesome job with that. Uh, Thank you, Robert. 411 Mania's own uh, Jeff Harris and from the championship rounds on Casual Heroes, my brother from another mother, and the man I'm going to debate uh, and one day in one week's time, Friday night on Everyone Loves a Bad Guy, uh, we finally found a topic that uh, we can debate, and, it's, and we're going to do another review slash conversation at the same time. Robert Winfrey is going to moderate it for us. The Amazing Spider-Man 2, proud to announce this, just came about today. Uh, Pat Mullen hated it because he hates puppies, um, <laughs> children, uh, flowers, peace. Um, and is a communist and a homosexual. Um, so Pat hated Spider-Man too, like you do if you're one of those people. And uh, I loved it. As people who follow me know, I thought Spider-Man Two was the movie. Uh, the Amazing Spider-Man Two was the movie we've been all been waiting for. So uh, we're going to bash heads, and Robert Winfrey's going to try to make sense of it all. All right. So for uh, my lovely wife, Melissa Radledge. This has been a special edition of the Rattles and Broadcasting in defense of the Big Bang Theory. Uh, I'll be talking to you soon. Be well, be safe, and behave. Thanks for all your